Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the worlds. Worlds. <laughs> yeah, this week, <laughs> packing for tea garden. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. So, do we have any housekeeping first? Uh, I have a little update on the um, the car insurance company's driving app. <laughs> yes. So, if I recall correctly, it was misrepresenting or misreporting Kira's speed in a particular zone. Yes. <laughs> yes, and she has continued to use it in in hopes of getting this seven or eight dollar discount. <laughs> and. Um, <clears throat> Hey, that's we've decided we coffee. don't like it. Yeah, we yeah exactly. We we've decided we don't like it. Really? Because we went to the lake the other day, and then went over to my dad's house, and she was looking at the at the scores on the thing, and it's like, oh, deducted points here for stopping too suddenly at this intersection, and it's, it's like, well, yeah, but if I'd kept going, I would have t-boned the guy that ran the red light, uh, or oh. you took this turn too sharply, so we're deducting points, and like that's the shape of the road. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the false positives. But of course, it's down around the it's down around the lake, and the GPS and mappings and stuff are all unreliable down there. So the app doesn't know this. Oh wow, that is so frustrating. Yeah, I, I used to have <laughs> years ago when like Foursquare and Gowalla were mm-hmm. popular sort of check in apps. I. Mm-hmm used Google locations or something like that. And it was like, Google locations will automatically check you into places. You don't have to pull out your phone every time <laughs> you walk into a coffee shop. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I might actually use that. And being looking back at my history is kind of interesting to me, except it would mm-hmm. check you into places that you never went. Yeah, I I get that on my phone sometimes. I get a message that pops up from, from Google. It's like, review, review your visit with such and such Tyranado. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I didn't go there. I went to the Chinese place across the street. <laughs> yeah, now it's yeah, right. Now they built that feature into Google Maps, it seems. Mm-hmm. That broken feature. Yeah, it's so the the feeling of especially when it's like sketchy or something that's not your like something that goes against your identity or something. I'm trying to think of mm-hmm. an example, but you know, like there's no way I would ever go into a Pep Boys. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'd rather go to the dentist. And I don't know. It was just something about being checked into places that you didn't go that it was just like, no. So it it wasn't there. Right. So I can't, I can imagine, you know, imagine if this is going to your social media feed and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Foxy Nail Salon. Like, no, I didn't. (laughs) That's the place next to my karate studio. Mm -hmm. So the false positives on a driving app that's giving you points, you know, I mean, on Ch- if, you, if we were in China right now, she'd be on social media apologizing all over the place to avoid those tickets. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, it's funny. And it's like, it's like the app doesn't know that she's the one driving. She could just be in the car riding somewhere. Oh, that's true, too. And turn the app on. So part of me wants to do it <laughs> like when we just go somewhere and, and just see what kind of grade it gives Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'm I afraid it would mess up her score even more. <laughs> right. Like I wouldn't want that. I'm a terrible yeah. driver. I hate driving. Well, I, I guarantee you right now she's a much more cautious driver than Richard is just because she's so new at it. Yeah. So 
and not, not that he's a bad driver, he's a very good driver, but I'm sure there's little things that, like, she's much more likely to specifically obey the speed limit here, whereas he knows, oh, there's no traffic here, I can go, you know, a couple of miles over and it's not a big deal, that kind of thing, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've recently read something about uh, the difference between laws and social norms and how, mm-hmm. um, and why people get so annoyed at a speed trap. And it, oh, it was yeah. a cool, it was, it was cool. It was like, because people that are local know that, that, that it's the norm to go 35 and this 25, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got no leg to stand on legally because obviously that's speeding, but that's why it makes people so mad when it's like selective yeah. enforcement of the law. When, when let's say the police in this case know that the norm is that people speed here and they're like, eh. I need to get a couple of tickets. I got nothing to do. Let me just go bag a few speeders. Like, I know quota. Right where to yeah. go. Yeah. And you know, whatever, you know, and I don't really have a lot of, I don't have any sympathy for, for that really. Cause I'm a really slow driver. So, yeah. you know, and Erica's like, like always up on two wheels. So she, yeah. you know, like, well, she, you know, it's the norm, but you also know that technically you were speeding. So if you get busted, that is still your own fault. <laughs> yes. But it, it was an interesting explanation of why the anger is so profound because it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, dude, if I drove 25 here, I'd have like 75 cars up my tailpipe. Mm-hmm. You can't drive 25 here. And it's kind of like, you know, I, it's not, I don't even, like I'm not even arguing one side of that or the other, but I just found it interesting. The difference between uh, is something so subtle, like social norms, like some apps, not going to pick that up. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, and I don't know who knows. I suppose it's better if everyone drives the speed limit, right? It's tough to argue that, but maybe the speed limit's 25. They set it at 25. So everyone would drive around 30, 35. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do have, we do have one area on the road to our house. Uh, the speed limit used to be 55 the whole way, and then we had some, like, a, a suburb pop-up, and they lowered the speed limit to 35 for part of it, and a lot of times people don't slow down there at all, and just because for, you know, 50 years, that was, the speed limit was 55, right. so, but, I mean, that's, you know, they need to slow down there, but, but again, it's, it's like, if you do, you're going to be holding up traffic. Mm-hmm. Right. So, anyway, it's, uh, I mean, you can already see, like, now, fast forward to self-driving cars. The self-driving car is arguing for itself. Like, no, but I I just did what I was programmed to do. And how can you give me a ticket? Like, who gets the ticket? Google? Right. <laughs> Ways. Uh, well, that's, uh, that. I mean, the false positive is the is the argument, you know, when people, the, the privacy argument for mm-hmm. people who think, like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't care what the government knows about me or I'm not care. I don't care if the police are watching everything and I'm not doing yeah, anything but, wrong. It's like, but I mean, at, at this point I'm like, okay, so she might not get the, get the discount, but are all these false positives going to make our insurance go up? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like the exceptions, the subtle, all the subtle stuff. Like it's going to take, mm-hmm. it takes, it suffers hard, man. It's yeah. like to imagine that, uh, it's just going to work immediately is not realistic. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know if we'll finish doing this. I mean, overall she still has like an 87% average. So Hmm. it's not been a major issue. I think she's like an 80 or more to get the discount. So it's like, they know that the app's not perfect, but. So here's what would scare me is that she would start, trying to gain, not game the app, but mm-hmm. ignore what's going on in reality and not like jam on the brakes because she doesn't want to get a low score. 
and you know yeah. what I mean? Start thinking about like, something besides what's going on. Yeah, just just knowing my kid, I don't think that would happen because she just thinks it's it's hilarious and pathetic that the app is as messed up as it is. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yes. but at the same time, yeah, I could I could see that happening, um, especially if this were something that you were supposed to log more than five driving hours doing like if this were a thing you had to constantly have on or something you would certainly become more conscious of it yeah it's all to the point of paranoia it's like how come Mm -hmm. honey how come you didn't jam on the brakes and you t-bone that card well i didn't want to get i didn't want to get a bad score for (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway uh well thanks for the update there it's uh mildly alarming (laughs) any gaming updates i know there's some news i don't know if it's um anything. oh there's probably one in my there's probably one in my mailbox that i need to go and get um i don't know i don't think there's anything new mm-hmm. um, there there probably will be next week but i don't think there's anything new cool this week so but Just, um, icebreakers is how long is the contest for icebreakers going on um the community voting goes on for like another three days and then i well, there's a, a a final round of judging Mm. All right, community. And I don't know how long that lasts. All right, community. <laughs> you, you'll still have a few days by the time you hear this. Yeah. Well, it's it's um the it's on the game crafter, and you have to pay crafter points to vote. So they do this thing to prevent vote spamming and and what have you. So unless you're unless you're involved in the design community there, it's kind of hard to oh, like, just get in and vote for. I see. But that's okay. I've gotten some good feedback on it from people. So. Oh, that's good. And our audience is very wealthy. I'm sure that they'll. Mm. Be happy to chip in a few crafter points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, let's talk about uh, Illus. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> yes. I, I think we should petition to have the have have the the planet renamed that. Yes, Tea Garden's a pretty good name, though. It is. It is. Sounds like something you might see in these new worlds. Oh, oh. Here's a here's an update for you. Oh, okay. Uh, the last show, I couldn't remember what. Uh, uh, Cooper Cooper purposely missaid one of the planet names. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what the real planet name is, but he calls it Heracutus. <laughs> oh. it like a southern accent. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got my dome on Heracutus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Heracutus or something. Yeah. So anyway, I, I finally did figure that out. So in case the dear <laughs> listener was was wondering, waiting with bated breath, <laughs> Heracutus. Uh, anyway. So speaking of planets, yes. No, who tell I just saw the headline in like the first paragraph of this, so maybe you could introduce mm-hmm. the story. Uh yeah, we and and I say we being the human race because I had no part in this <laughs> <laughs> have discovered a new exoplanet that is the most Earth like of all the exoplanets we've discovered to date, and it is twelve light years away orbiting the red giant known as Tea Garden. Mm. That is crazy and so there's a couple of pictures at the beginning of the article that shows the sunrise on tea garden yeah i mean there's simulations but oh okay i didn't read the article as i said <laughs> yeah but it, what's so what's first of all what's an exoplanet uh there's a lot of drilling going on in your planet all right, so i'm gonna it's like it's like crazy they've been drilling for months i'm like at some point is this gonna be done <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna find their way to the earth's core yeah seriously uh, but uh, I, I don't know what an exoplanet is. What is that? Looks like you muted yourself. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. An exoplanet is a planet that's outside of our solar system. Oh, it seems very egocentric. 
Yeah. <laughs> so there's so there's like what nine planets and everything else is an exoplanet. Is everything that... else is an exoplanet out of everything out of our solar system. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, we're an exclusive club. I guess. So. Does that make? Does that mean we're on an endoplanet? I guess. That's anyway. Okay. Got yeah. that. Anyway, <laughs> a question asked and answered. So. So <laughs> what's the? You said it's twelve light years away. Yeah. That's how long it would take light to get there. Oh, that's true. That's how long it would take light to get there in a year. Yeah, if we were going to travel, it would take a little more than that. Right. Yeah, we really need those Epstein drives. <laughs> so it seems like uh, it seems like a Millennium Ship type of situation. Mm-hmm. But something about the concept of it of there being like potentially Earth habitable planets in in reality is so it's like clicked something with me that's just like no like no way it was almost like (laughs) it was almost like a whole category of thought was closed off to me until i saw that because even though like you know elon musk is like we need to be a space-faring civilization and you know mars is the first step maybe the moon is the first step colonize the Mm -hmm. moon colonize mars i never really thought about it thought about the potential reality of seriously finding a planet that was that could support human life more or less and uh, it, it, like even though we re- i mean like you know the expanse which we talked about here many times that's the whole premise you know it's a core yeah, premise but it's still science book. fiction but it's science fiction right i never really considered like real humans doing that mm-hmm. yeah the earth mars the asteroid belt sure mm-hmm. but the the everything beyond the ring gates was firmly into fiction territory. Right. And like people walking around on a planet's surface with no spacesuits. That's, that's the thing. That's the mm-hmm. difference for me. It's like, like waking up, seeing a different sunrise, you know, Tatooine or whatever. I'm like, really, really? <laughs> okay. That is rad. I don't know. Yeah, I, Somehow I it became real it. for me. I was watching a video on this, and of course, being being the most the most Earth-like doesn't automatically mean that it can support life. Um, just that it's the closest to anything that we've found so far. But I was watching a video on it, and the video said that there's they're estimating that it's something like a sixty percent chance that it's habitable. Mm. And I don't know. I didn't see anything about it in the article I read, so I'm not sure if they if that was something they pulled directly from the paper or or how they're getting that number or what statistics they have to back that up. It's just a just, just what I saw. <laughs> yeah. Do they, that's, do, do they have any way to know what the gravity is? Um, they estimate the mass of the planet to be about 1.1 times that of Earth. Hmm. Interesting. So you'd be a little, not you, but people would be a little fatter there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be like 250. No, you'd be a little denser there. Denser. I don't know how gravity works, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um. So here's the thing, though. Like, if you think about the Earth's climate, oh my God! <laughs> if you think about the Earth's climate changing like just a few degrees, it's like catastrophic results. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of it's just super. I mean, okay, let's say they're infinite exoplanets. Great. Then technically, there has to be one that we could. You know what I mean? It's like the odds yeah. are there has to be one that we could live yeah. on. But. I mean, I suppose it just seems like there's such, it's like a, a, a terrifyingly narrow range of conditions in which we could survive. Yeah, it is a very narrow band. And I believe they said that the estimated temperature 
on Tea Garden B, which is the planet, um, the planet they're most interested in. Tea Garden C is also a possibility. They discovered two planets, B and C. Um, B is the most, the more promising of the two. And I think they said the average surface temperature was 28 Celsius, which, you know, that's warm, but it's not super uncomfortably warm or inhabitably warm. That's like a, that's like a, you know, a, a summer day in the South. Mm. Yeah. And I guess when you think about like the climate change thing, not to minimize it, but if the temperature goes up a few degrees, yes, it would be, or, you know, it's, it's enough. It would be catastrophic for like the way we're currently set up, like where cities are and that they're so close to the water and, you know, so right. on and so and, forth. And the fact that the, the, due to our interference in the natural order of things, the climate is changing much more quickly than life on earth can adapt. Mm. I, so I don't know. The thing that I'm not really sure about is that at what point does it become uninhabitable everywhere or do we all yeah. just like move farther away from the equator or I don't know. I didn't want to kind of don't want to even get into it, but the, the point yeah, or if, or if we came to this temperature over the course of, you know, 300,000 years, as opposed to 300 years, would it be uninhabitable or would we just have gotten, you know, adapted to it right? either, either as, as, as humans adapt to things or evolutionarily or, or whatever. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Is it just changing too fast to adapt to, but the, so like, I'm not like a big, I don't study up on it, but mm -hmm. you know, the, the, I do know from seeing trailers for, uh, cat catastrophe movies that, <laughs> that, that what's going to happen is like New York and California are going to get covered with into the water ocean and, and yeah. pulled into the ocean, but that still leaves quite a bit of the yeah, country and, left that and, theoretically and there will you could be, live in. There will be giant monsters in Japan and that's true too. Yep. Ka kaiju in Japan. And yeah, I forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. the point, the, the reason I brought it up was because it seems like, it seems like such a delicate balance that it's like mm -hmm. such a sliver of, you know, non-spacesuit uh, uh, conditions Yeah, that we could inhabit. It's like, seems so far-fetched that, that there would be even in a, in, in an infinity, even in an infinity of planets, it seems like. It just seems like impossible, like needle in a haystack times a thousand. Like, how would we ever find one? And certainly, you know, you get the you get the twelve light years problem, mm -hmm. where it's like kind of far away. So, I don't know. It's just, but it did get me. It did suddenly seem yeah. like plausible to me. And then you raise the question of, oh, if if this planet is habitable and it's been there for as long as our planet has, is there life there already? Didn't even think of that. Which I guess I did think of it, but I didn't really think of it. This, this is what's funny. There's like a, mm -hmm. it's almost like the sci-fi is walled off from reality in my mind. And because the first thing I thought was like, nobody can live there, even if you can live there, because there'll <laughs> be death slugs, obviously, you know, like there's a big theme in the expanse of how, um, what they call it, the tree of life, you know, different yeah. like life. There's maybe a, a, a particular route, but then a shared root, but then it forks off and they're just like straight up like an entire ecosystem that evolved in a different way and has different, mm -hmm. it's a different balance. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's a subtly different balance because I mean, there is the theory that, that life on other worlds given exposure to similar conditions as us are going, is going to evolve in similar ways. 
but it's which makes sense, but it's never going to be exactly the same way because the conditions are never going to be exactly the same. So you get you get subtle differences that in that accumulate into really big differences, and then all of a sudden this purple feathered insect is poisonous mm-hmm. to us. It's not a you know maybe it's maybe it's not a poisonous creature there, but to us it's poisonous because it's it's just different enough. Yeah, yeah, and it's like like um, they would talk about you know it's like the bird analog. You know, it's kind of like a bird. If you're mm-hmm. from Earth, it's like if you've ever seen a bird, it's kind of like that, but it has six legs. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but and you know, I mean, just think of yeah. There was a lot of that in the last book. Yeah, and a lot of that in the fourth book. Yeah, is that. Uh, I don't remember the one which title was which, but the one with the Illus when they they land the whole mm-hmm. pretty much the whole book takes place on on this on an alien planet, yeah, alien planet that's very Earth like, but then it starts to you know then something happens, no spoilers, and the planet starts to uh, team with life, let's just say, <laughs> <laughs> and and the life which seems you know the different creatures that seem to get along fine with each other and in the ecosystem are not particularly friendly to humans in mm-hmm. in a, in like an accidental way. Right. Kind right. of like... It's not, it's not malicious. It's just, oh, we're not compatible and this is causing bad things to happen to us. Right. And and it's not like that... I mean, isn't that kind of a parallel with like conquistadors bringing the flu to the Mayans yeah. or something? Like, Yeah, it is. It's kind of it's kind of like, you know, like, yeah, like you said, yeah, people people coming over to North America and bringing all of their, their illnesses with them or also the start of a new school year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time we go to like a birthday party... Cause we, you know, we don't have a new school year, but mm-hmm. whenever we, we take the kids to like, you know, see their cousins or whatever, if they're in school, mm-hmm. forget it. Like they're sick for three days after that. Just like <laughs> sniffling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like the, like, you know, my kid's going to be a senior in high school and the start of every school year still brings a head cold with it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, right. So the, to get back to like. The, sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. It just feels so sci-fi. So. So then I'm like, yeah, all right, well, let's say you get there and like magically almost the temperature zone is reasonable enough and the um, the atmosphere, of course, needs to be. I mean, just think of how small changes in the atmosphere can mess you up, mm-hmm. right? So that, that would need to be perfect or pr- close to perfect. and And then you've got the whole ecosystem. Do we accidentally destroy it just by being there? Does it accidentally destroy? Does it reject us like a virus? Probably. Probably all of the above. I mean, I'm, I have been miserable this week just simply due to the pollen count of the stuff I've grown up around all my life. You put Mm -hmm. me on another planet. You put me on another planet and I'm just, I'm just, just, I'm done. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, it it feels like. Unless it heals me. (laughs) I was just thinking like, well, maybe it's good. Maybe, maybe earth is the poisonous one. (laughs) Mother nature's out to get us. Uh, so, in a, in a sense, Mars feels safer to me because mm-hmm. it would be it would be we would be creating the entire environment. So it would be, yeah. you know, science, right? And it'd be like, well, right. it would all be yeah. You're under a dome or you're living in caves, and that's a drag. But and there's like like nothing green. But it's kind of like well, think of it like a giant cruise ship. That's a very unreal environment, but. It's big enough. At least enough. it's all a known quantity, a known quantity, and we can, we can bring in the stuff we want to have there, and and sort of you know, terraform it ourselves in the the way we want to. Yeah, it feels kind of clean slate. I don't know. I mean, like, 
I mean, they're, they're planets in our solar system, endoplanets, if you will. I feel so <laughs> smart. Uh, that have an atmosphere. It's just yeah. not friendly for us. So yeah. let's find one that doesn't have an atmosphere and, and, and make, make our own. own. Well, Mars has an atmosphere. Does it? Yeah, yeah I guess it just, does. It's just a very thin one. Yeah. I think my cat's trapped in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's not a death slug, right? Uh, I mean, it could be. Do death, slug, do death slugs meow? Who knows? That'd be I mean, awesome if they did. That, that would be. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'd keep one as a pet. Like, no, uh, don't touch it. It's my death slug. His <laughs> name is Kevin. <laughs> See, now that would be a real problem if they were cute. Like if death yeah. slugs were cute and you wanted to pet them, that would be. Yeah, like if they were cute and fuzzy and yeah. It'd be so unfair. You know, you just like constantly tempted to pet this thing that would immediately kill mm-hmm. you. That's how they lure you in. Yeah. Meow. <laughs> I dare ya. Rolls over. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Yuck. Oh man. So what? So how do you how do you get there? Like, how would you get to this t- twelve light, light years away? Is this like um, a cryo ship? I don't think we do. No, no, no. But I mean, like, what would be the first? I mean, we, we would obviously we'll send like a probe or something. Is that like? I would think so. Yeah. And then I mean, and then what? Twelve light years. I mean, for now, we just we just continue to observe it with telescopes and and radio equipment. Hmm. But I, I guess eventually you would you would do a probe, which could accelerate much more quickly than yeah, you know, a, a person inhabited ship. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look how long it look how long it took um, what Voyager to get out of the solar system. I don't know how long did it take. I don't know. They 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 said it left the solar system about seven or eight times. It feels like so. <laughs> well, it's not like there's a fence. It's kind of hard to tell where they. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's so like imagine. Okay, imagine you. Uh, I suppose that if we could, if we had the technology to send a human to Tea Garden. We'd probably have the technology to communicate over that distance, because like what one would assume. Yeah, because even if you could communicate at light speed, it would still be a twelve-year lag for a message mm-hmm. to, to go round trip, and that's I mean that's worse than Skype. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what would you like? You'd have to. I mean, there's no way around that, right? Like, like in in the expanse, right. they have tight beams or whatever. Like how? Like how? And there was lag, but it wasn't that bad. But it, that kind of implies that they're sending messages faster than the speed of light. No, I guess not, because they're in no. the solar system. Yeah, they are. Mostly. And there was, there was light. There was lag due to, again, due to the speed of light. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was all all in the same solar system for the most part. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's interesting. Like, you, you, you're, you're on your own. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, we could, we could maybe send a Bobiverse probe out there or something. Right. That'd be the, that seems like the way to go. Like mm-hmm. get 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 it all set up for us. Bob, Send an AI. Yeah, Bob comes back. Okay, your beds are all made. You're all set. Yeah. You know, and then what do you? It's like cryo. Do you think? I mean, twelve light years. How long? I mean, it, I can't even start to calculate how long that would take. No, I'm know. not good enough at math. No. Yeah, especially if you've got that driver app in the spaceship. Oh yeah, yeah. You're accelerating too quickly. Ten points off. <laughs> Fifty points from Gryffindor. <laughs> can, we, can we pause for just a second? Yeah. Okay, be right back. Okay, I'm back. Uh, 
Uh, cool. So what we were talking about accelerating too quickly toward tea garden. Yeah. I'm trying to think like I was reading something depending on the way it was designed. Like if we could do some, Oh, whatever it gets, it gets stupid complicated. Um, <laughs> basically trying to figure out the, the maximum amount of G forces that a human body could sustain under various different circumstances and different mm. types of acceleration and different types of crash couches and suspension fluids and, and weird things like that. And, mm. and, um, just, yeah, there's no way we could get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's neat. Uh, yeah. Probes. Probes. Yeah. AIs. <laughs> right. But, it, but if, you know, if you send enough AIs, it doesn't matter if it's human habitable, habitable planet, they'll just turn it into their little machine world and, yeah. And, um, rule over us from afar and, well, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's where we can send them. Be like, you yeah. guys go over there. Yeah, have fun. There. Do have, your own thing. Do your own thing. Yeah. You can you can mine you can you can mine all of this stuff. You can three D print your own stuff. Just yeah, reproduce all you want on this on this little exoplanet over here. And um, in in a millennia, you can either invite us over for an epic <laughs> vacation, or you can just come conquer us. But I'm not going to be figure, here, so it won't matter. Figure out how to get us over there if you feel like it. Yeah, I mean, you sometimes you have to push them out of the house. They don't want to leave. Yeah, yeah, we like teenagers. Yeah, so maybe you know, Elon's fear of uh, you know humans being the bootloader for AI. That's an, that's an interesting concept. I mean, who, what the AI wouldn't care? Like <laughs> the AI doesn't need a planet. Like, <laughs> right? Just, just put it in a ship and shoot the ship into space and have have at it. Bob. There you go. Do your thing. <laughs> You'll find yourself travel travel. Europe of the stars mm. for a few years, yeah. backpack around the galaxy. <laughs> and and I Find believe yourself. this is how <laughs> right. <laughs> something something V'ger. Yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have we put out any worthwhile content in the last three weeks? Not really. Okay. But it's fun having a, a phone it call. It is. It is. <laughs> yes. So we apologize, dear listener, for wasting your time. Hopefully you got a few laughs out of it. Uh, and you can think... It is pretty neat, though. It's super cool. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what the... You know, it's like Feynman said, you know, what's all this science worth? Nothing. I'm just satisfying curiosity, my own curiosity. I, well, I think there's a lot to be said for that, though. Yeah. And and that's not the exact quote, but, you know, <laughs> but basically he's like, what's the purpose of it all? Well, I'm just satisfying my curiosity, so leave me alone. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. It's It's... I don't know. It's... It's like hard to believe almost, but mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty cool. It it certainly captures the imagination, which yeah. is a, a fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and I I think in and of itself, like if if nothing else, I think it's worthwhile just for that. Absolutely, more ideas for new sci-fi books <laughs> <laughs> or games. Hello, or games. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So let's stick a fork in it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope, it, and we hope you join us again next time for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye.